Hi, everyone, and welcome to the Screen Strong Families podcast, bringing you the best solutions for parents who are serious about eliminating screen conflicts in their home. This is Melanie Hempy. Welcome, everyone. If you are new, we are so glad that you found us. And for everyone else, welcome back to the show. Today, we are going to be talking about smartphones and few mental health issues. And we're even going to throw in some things about gaming today. I'm very excited about, about our guest today. I'm going to introduce her in just a second, but I just want to say, what were we thinking when, uh, you know, we started giving our kids smartphones? I mean, I just, I'm not, I'm not being judgmental. I'm not being ugly. (laughs) I'm just saying to myself too, what were we thinking? Smartphones were not designed for kids and especially not for teenagers. And I've been doing so much research on the teen brain lately. And um, I've been getting a lot of emails. I've been talking to moms the other night at 1130. I get another email from another mom and a text about their teenagers on these phones. And I just think that we have just made a big mistake. And, and so that just means we need to do a little bit of research. We need to do a little bit of education need to get our facts all in order, and then we need to make some changes. And we're not just talking about social media, although that is the first thing you think of, because really smartphones and teenagers, it's social media. But what we're talking about is group texting, and then also this internet access that of course leads to a lot of toxic content. So it's not just, not just social media. And, and the other day, my, my boys, I was talking to them about something trouble with one of their friends with a group text. And they said, mom, group texting is just like social media. I mean, cause you have pictures that you send to people. And I thought, yeah, that kind of makes sense. <laughs> it's all kind of the same. But one thing that the boys said that I thought was also really interesting was that they were really thankful that they had their gab phone. The gab phone is the talk text phone that we recommend and that, um, has worked really, really well for us. And, and I know y'all don't know me and you, many of you have never met me and you may think, oh, you're just, you're just bragging on your kids, you know, saying that they thanked you for their gap phone. But this is a really important point here. This is a true story. They do have friends that are really struggling with pornography addictions. And these are high school friends. And it, it's not just my boys. It's it's other people that I know and their friends and just family friends and stuff. And so the, the boys told me, they said, mom, we're just so glad we don't have to worry about that. It's just not in our pocket. And and I thought that really meant a lot coming from them. They love their gab phone. They love not being distracted. They love not getting notifications <laughs> and they just love not having all the temptations that so many of their, their friends struggle with. So we have a lot to talk about today. I want to introduce to you our guest, Anne-Marie McDonald. Welcome to our show. Thank you, Melanie. Glad to be here. I am just so thrilled to have you on here because I can't wait to hear your story and to share your story. Anne-Marie has four children and she's, oh, they, they range from five to 15 and she has a lot to talk about, about why she's passionate about this issue. And she's also going to talk to us you know, about the gap phone and about making really good choices for your kids when it comes to their smartphone. So let's get going. Just first of all, tell me why you're passionate about this topic. Why did you end up doing the work that you're doing today? 
technology is not going away. I was raised in a household where we talked about technology. We talked about good tech, bad tech. And I, I've always been tuned into the new latest and greatest. And when I had my own children, I was constantly evaluating what technology I wanted to give them. And of course, my oldest is 15. And so when it got to the point where he was asking for the iPhone, which most preteens and teenagers are asking for the iPhone, I thought, well, sure, as long as this is a, we have a lockdown phone, eventually when he's 13 or 14, we'll give it to him. So the discussion kept happening where he would say, mom, I'm ready for the phone. Everyone, everyone has a phone, but me, <laughs> everyone, yeah. everyone and, on the planet. Yes. And I, my approach is a little bit more, I would say strict than my husband, where I just said, no, we're not even, we're not even talking about it until you're 16. And my husband was the one that said, no, we, we really need to start talking about this. It's true. His friends have smartphones. We need to talk about it and make it a part of our parenting process. So we made this deal with our oldest son that he went without sugar for six months. That, that was our plan, that he would then show us that he's responsible enough to have an iPhone. So we did it. He went without sugar for six months and sugary treats. And so for his 13th birthday, we gave him a lockdown iPhone. We give him this phone and it's locked down. So we had talked to him about, of course, we, we didn't give him social media, but we did we had the rules. We, you know, we were, we were, I felt like we were right on with having a family tech plan and charging um, the devices in a central location. Like we, we had technology and parameters in place. Uh-huh. However, there were two surprises with this phone. The first was he became very fixated on the games. Mm-hmm. And it was almost like he wouldn't look up when I would come into the room. And I, would, I started to see this light dim within him. And being my oldest, I thought, okay, surely this must just be a normal teenage behavior. This must just be something that uh, comes with being 13 going on 14. And I, I just I thought, okay, I'll just accept this as normal behavior, I guess. And the other thing that I had found was I thought just with the ability to text and call that he would be able to navigate through that. But that wasn't the case. I found that I was looking at his text messages at night and having to teach him how to talk through text. So it was like these two things that I didn't see coming. I, I thought, okay, we've got to address this head on. So we decided the beginning of quarantine, so last year this time, we were going to give him a Gab phone. I became familiar with Gab. And what Gab is a great resource because as you mentioned, it doesn't have Wi-Fi and it has just the 14 essential apps. We thought, let's just give this a whirl. Let's give him the Gab and we'll do it during quarantine and, and we'll just use this as a teaching tool. It took about five days for the detox. At first there was some pushback. No, mom, I like, I like my phone that has my games. It's fine. It's I'm, everyone's doing it. It's okay. But after about day five, he was outside. He was building a fort in the backyard with my other children. We found that he was sketching again. 
And when I'd walk into the room, Melanie, his eyes would light up again. And so there was something to this and there was something to Gab and not having access to the gaming all the time and just having that separation for their brains. Absolutely. I mean, you've, you've just described in a nutshell exactly what the problem is too. And you were kind of losing him, right? I was, and I thought it was normal. I thought this was a normal behavior, but it was just this awakening that when you give a child a smartphone with, with, even though it's a lockdown smartphone, you as the parent need to be very aware of the time that they spend either gaming or on different devices or, or even the text messages that they're sending and receiving. Like it, the people say, Anne-Marie, when do I give my child a phone? What's the right age? When do I give them a gab phone? When do I give them a lockdown phone? If that's the route they choose. And my, my answer is it's not really about that child. (laughs) It's about when are you as the parent ready to dive into the lessons that need to be taught to your child about phone safety and being protected. Right. And, and I have my, my angle is a little different in the sense that I've been doing this for a long time and I've made a lot of mistakes and like my, and like your son, you know, that would have been my son if we had given him a smartphone and because he was a gamer and that was just, you know, I, I don't think parents understand that, that your kids can game on their phone. Like I think some parents don't understand that. They're like, oh, well, their gaming console is here in this other room. <laughs> like, well, no, there's games on, on their phone. But my angle is such, it's just so different because after doing this and being in this field and working with families for so many years, I'm trying to figure out what the benefits are. I mean, sure, there's some conveniences um, to getting young kids phones, but really the benefits are not there. There are way more risk. And even if your child doesn't get involved in anything negative, even if there's, even if they are the one in a gazillion million kid who just doesn't get into toxic content or get into stuff that they aren't supposed to get into, you just hit the nail on the head. They are wasting time. They are just wasting time. Number one, number two, as a parent, you are a hundred percent responsible for everything that they text on that phone. We've got issues around, you know, parents thinking their their kids get privacy. That's a that's a huge thing to talk about because I don't think kids should get privacy at all on their phone. If the whole public knows what they're doing and all their friends know what they're doing, you definitely need to know what they're doing. But I think that the other thing, the big kind of elephant in the room, is that there's a lot of pe- a lot of parents. Um, Amory, who think that, well, I can lock down the phone, right? Like you, you thought you could, right. and I can just have conversations with my kids and then we're good to go. Those two things really don't work. We need to do those two things. Those two things are really important to do, but they don't work the way that we think they're going to work. So explain a little bit about locking down his phone. Explain a little bit about what you did and why did you think that was going to work? Well, there are other there are options out there that will allow families to have a smartphone, but you can but access apps. For instance, a school app or um, a, the gaming apps, like I had mentioned, or music. And I just had thought, okay, it's become this. It, it really is the norm. All of his friends were getting phones, and we did we did have a pretty good system, we thought, 
to making sure that he wasn't able to get on Wi-Fi. But the truth is, Melanie, is kids are so smart. Sure. My son is smart and he fought, he found ways around it. And so even though I gave him a phone that had parental controls, I just didn't realize the different ways that he could find yeah. access to things. For instance, um, Kindle. <laughs> Here is a, here's a reading app. How about, how about Kindle? Kindle yeah. Kids. Well, <laughs> safe, right? <laughs> no, I, I don't even, I'm horrified. I'm horrified <laughs> to think about the topics that my son could type in and see. So it's just, it's, it's, as you said, as a parent, you do your best, you try. And when you, when you make a mistake, you pivot and you say, you, you say to them, I'm learning this just alongside you. I'm sorry. I made a mistake. And interestingly enough, after we went through the process of of switching out the phone to the gab, he could see the confidence that he then had because he was out doing cool stuff. He was he was spending more time on his guitar. And so he he would say, I'm actually glad that you gave me the gab because I've developed talents that I, I wouldn't have otherwise. I would have been gaming. And I'm and thank you. Thank you. I, I like who I am without my phone. And I think that's what gets so mucky. It's kids find their confidence within the phone. And that's a danger that we could spend the next two weeks talking about, which is yeah. social media and, and, and just that dopamine and such. But away from that, there is no greater gift that a parent can give their child than inner confidence that is not found behind a screen. That's right. That's right. And I love that you said that he thanked you because right. my, my kids did too. And it sounds... Don't you feel like it sounds kind of weird saying that? But I mean, it's really true. I mean, like I'm not making it up. <laughs> right. They just really appreciate it. And they don't at first. And I'm impressed that you only went through like a few days of a detox because most kids go through a lot longer detox than that when they're, you know, of course, when they've been super immersed in their smartphone and then parents take it away and we have our screen strong challenge and it's a seven day detox. And that's why parents jump on to do that because they're thinking, okay, I need to know how to do this. How do I take it away? It was so easy to give it to them. Now how do I take so it away? It was so easy. Right. And kids should be allowed to be kids. That's the thing. If we don't protect them, who, who's going to protect them? This is our job to let them be kids. And it's a lot easier said than done. But if, if as a parent, you're committed to that, they will yeah. thank you in the long run because it is a gift. It is a gift and it's a rare gift for a child these days to know how to go in the backyard and play, know how to pick up a piano, I mean, guitar or piano or do, um, you know, talent, right? Other things besides the phone. I think they're really confused and they think that being on a phone is some sort of talent. But can you talk, let's talk about this a minute. Let's talk about why parents and you and I, we both were raising our hand, right? We both have made mistakes. Oh my goodness. I mean, I think that's why we're up here talking is because mm -hmm. we've made so many mistakes. Right. So, but why do parents and why did we, and why do parents, why do parents give in? What, what is your thoughts on that? Well, I think that it's just, it's, a, it's an acceptable norm. And so parents just, it's almost a rite of passage. Well, when my child's 13, they get a phone just like, just like they did braces because it's just part of being a teenager. Right. Teenagers aren't connecting eyeball to eyeball any longer. They're connecting screen to screen. So, so of course they get the phone and I, and I want my child to be accepted and cool. I want them to be popular. I want them to be 
included on the party. No, 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 no. It's yeah. backwards thinking. But <laughs> we are just such a product of our environment. And unless we take a stand and we say, actually, I can see the harm that that is causing and I choose to parent differently. I think there is a difference between a reactive parent and a proactive parent. Mm -hmm. And if we're going to be proactive here and we're going to raise digital citizens that are, that are uh, healthy and no boundaries and and balance, Mm -hmm. then we have to be proactive parents all the time. It's not just a Monday through Friday situation. It's a 24 hours, seven days a week. We're in this thing and we're Mm -hmm. giving our kids the gift of being a kid and not having to be bogged down by the stress and anxieties of being inside the screen. So one of the reasons why you and I feel so strongly about helping parents with education around this is I don't think that parents understand. I know I didn't understand and I had gone through a nursing school. I was feeling like I was pretty educated with medical stuff, but I didn't understand the application of this fact. And it is the amount of stress that our kids are on when they're on a screen, even if they're not doing anything, um, you know, overly stressful, like a violent video game or a pornography video or something, but just the idea that they are having to keep up with all their notifications and all their likes and all the hurtful things that um, kids say, and they don't even mean to say, but they're still hurtful because, you know, like you alluded to a minute ago that he didn't even know how to text or he wasn't texting the right way. <laughs> and and they can feel really rejected and they can say things. So all this builds up and this chronic stress causes a lot of problems in kids. Of course, namely it's the anxiety and the depression and all of that that goes with it. And I don't think as parents, we understand um, what we're doing. We're handing this super powerful tool to them. They are not able to manage the stress. It, it's just wrong. I mean, it, it's, it's so sad. And, and, and the stress builds up over time because it's chronic and they don't ever have a time, you know, to take a breath and just to relax and be a kid and go play in the backyard because they're trying to check on their stuff on all their Instagram and all their snaps and all this stuff is going on. When you think about the amount of stress that we experience on our phones and, you know, just keeping up with our jobs and stuff, it's really no different for our kids, but they're too young. They're not developmentally ready for that amount of stress. And I'm sure you saw this, you know, with your son, you described it really well as you know, the light came back on. The reason why the light came back on or however you said, that you know, you could just, you felt like you were getting him back is because he was more calm. Right. But interestingly enough, so I have a 13 year old daughter and when you're talking about the 24 seven, just the complete anxiety, I've seen it with her emotionally. I, you know, I'm very aware who my child, who my children are with. I am very careful, which you know, which people, who they surround themselves with. And the phone shouldn't be any different. The phone is the absolute worst best friend <laughs> and you're giving it to your child yeah, all the time. And they can't put it away. My, my 13 year old daughter, it's, it's, she'll, she'll say things to me. Oh mom, I, there's this cyber bullying that's going on at school and it doesn't end it. And, and that's the thing is it used to end at 3 PM, yeah. but now 
this because of this device and this very worst friend that is constantly with your child, right. it doesn't end. And so it becomes this constant stressor emotionally for them to deal with. They never have a time to just be free. And that is another reason why I love the Gab phone is because they're free. They're free from, t- they're free from social media. They're free from being worried if their picture is going to be put on an Instagram that their middle school has then taken to say awful things about them online. They're free. They don't even need to worry about it. And that's such a good word because a lot of people think that, oh, you've got to give your your kids more freedom, right? You've got to give them these technologies so they're not sheltered. And it's just the opposite. They are more free when they're not encumbered with this. They're, They're not mature enough. And our kids are very, very smart. You're right. You mentioned that about your son. I know how um, innovative that kids are with technology and they are very sharp and they're very resourceful and they're very intelligent, but that has nothing to do with maturity. And that was one big mistake that I made. I thought that because my son was so smart and of course he was my first two. And I think we parents have a blind spot, especially for our first kids. Mm-hmm. <laughs> and, um, but he had good grades and all that, but I thought he was mature. I thought that was the same thing and it is not. And that is a trick. It's a myth. It's not true. Um, Just because your kids are smart doesn't mean they're mature. And I think that is a huge truth that if we as parents can get our hands around that and get our head around that, it will really, really help our parenting decisions around technology. They are not mature enough to handle it. Um, And this is not our opinion. This is a medical fact that the human brain is not the frontal cortex, which is the judgment center. It is just not ready. It's just, especially during the teenage years, they are, um, you know, they're craving all this risk-taking activity. Their brain is what we call under construction during this time. All of their neural pathways are being rewired. They have an overabundance of new neurons that are coming on the scene. And then there's a lot of pruning going on of neurons that they're not using. This is why it's super easy to learn a language when, you know, before puberty and around puberty, but then after puberty, it gets really hard (laughs) because it's it's your brain development. And so what we're doing in the kind of worst, most chaotic time of their life when they should be really free to be teenagers, we're throwing a wrench in and we're saying, okay, we're going to let you have this and it's going to make them stressed, more stressed than they already are. It's already stressful being a teenager, right? And we're just making it worse. And I, I don't think any parent wants to do that. I just don't think they understand the medical piece behind it or the physical piece behind it. And, and it's not that, oh, some kids are different than others. No kid is mature when they're teenagers. They're not. So we've right. got to quit trying to force the, you know, square peg into the round hole. It's not going to work. And I feel like, I, I don't know how you feel now about now that you have the gap phone. Don't you feel like um, you're just not wasting so much time on discussing all these limits and having arguments about, well, give me your phone. You can't take it in your bedroom. And, you know, no, we're not going to you know, write a contract for the, I mean, you know, writing contracts and limits and 
it's just a huge relief off of you too, as a parent. It's peace of mind, really. Uh, the fact that we don't even have to have the discussion about social media. And, and if, you know, my daughter is more interested in social media than, than uh, my son. And so if, if she wants to look at social media or she, you know, she keeps pressing it, then I've told her I'll put it on my phone. Yeah. But I, but there, but because I don't give her the endless access, it's not even an, it's not even an issue. And, and really, like you said, kids are using devices that are intended for adults. Yeah. They're, they're not ready for this. And there's so much that they need to learn about just basic communication. Yeah. And basic life. And basic life. But then to add just the false reality of perfectionism that is displayed within a phone is just a very difficult and hard path to walk with a child. Well, and it's so unnecessary. It's, there's nothing wrong with taking this detour around this, you know, and what the, this is the potholes is, is giving kids that are young, that are in middle school and even high school access to all this stuff that they're not ready for. Just take a detour around it. So then the question is right away, oh, I can already see the hands going up here. (laughs) The question is, well, how are they ever going to be able to use it later, Anne-Marie? How are they going to be able to, how is your son going to be able to use social media in whatever many years, you know, when you're going to give it to him. So when I started this, this podcast, we talked about how I'm, how I'm really actually pro tech. I, I love technology and I, I want them to understand good tech, bad tech. And so I, I actually tell them constantly, I want them to be able to have when, when they're older to understand and have access to the things that they choose to have access to. And, and I, I want them to give them, and I, and I plan and think that I am giving them the correct tools so that mm-hmm. when they become an adult, right. they stay balanced. They can listen to that inner voice. They can, as you do the challenge, uh, that they can have their own challenges. And if they've been spending too much time do on technology, that they can turn it off and they can be out in the world. Mm-hmm. I do think that once they become adults, they're able to make these yeah. decisions and I want them. I'm empowering them to make these decisions. My goal is to raise them to be successful leaders, but they don't need to mess with this right now. This is, this is not something they, this is this time of adolescence is so precious and I want them to learn instruments. I want them to make friendships. I want them to just grow and develop in a way that they wouldn't behind the screen. And the executive function skills that they need to learn, you know, the impulse control and the ability to plan ahead and make decisions and be flexible and when plans change and all of these things, they cannot learn by spending this much time on a screen. And I always say that life skills prep for screen skills. The more your child preps for life skills, the better they're going to be down the road on their screen. They have to learn these basic you know, skills on functioning in real life. And then they'll naturally be able to not be rude on social media, right? They'll, they'll know manners, they'll understand it better. But it is certainly the cart before the horse at at this stage of the game, putting all this in their path when they're just not ready for it yet. And a lot of people like to say, well, Melly, don't you think it's like driving a car? You have to let them 
you know, um, drive, you know, when they're 16 or whatever age, 15, and you know, they're going to have wrecks and you're just going to have to be patient and whatever. And, and I hate it when people use that example, because it is not like driving a car. It is like driving a jet airplane. It is That's <laughs> that analogy, mm-hmm. you know, it's not, you can't just go teach them how to use, um, a phone the right way when they're teenagers. I just like you don't have teenagers driving jets. And the reason why you don't is because their frontal cortex is not developed. They don't have the reasoning skills yet. And there's nothing wrong with these kids. They're perfectly normal. They just don't have the tools yet. So um, I think that was, that's just a huge blind spot. It's just a big myth to think that we can make them more mature early. And then when you add to it the stress that it's going to cause them, like I said, not even talking about all the toxic content, but just the stress alone, it has to come from somewhere. It's going to take something away. And I'm like you, I'm not willing to make that trade um, because I know what that trade involves. The influence of technology is already suffocating to our children. They're Mm -hmm. on tech all the time. Yeah. Why, why, why not pace, pace the journey? Right. Right. And I, and what you said a few minutes ago about that, you're very careful about, um, the influences that your children have. I love that when you said that, because that is our job Mm -hmm. and we would never let our kids go to a strip club, you know, at nine o'clock at night and downtown, whatever city you live in, we would never do that. But this is essentially what we're doing. We're allowing them to be influenced by all these things on this piece of technology that we think we can control, but we can't control it. And it is our job. We're not being over protective or sheltering or over parenting by any stretch. We're guiding and directing and we are protecting them from the culture that they don't need to be in. There's a lot about culture that is awesome. Mm-hmm. And like you, yes, I think there's so much about technology that is fabulous for our kids. Um, we, of course, they, they have laptops for school and they do different presentations and PowerPoints and we're learning all kinds of cool stuff. And my kids are even passing me on the scale of learning how to do some of the stuff. And that part is all wonderful. There's a very big difference between what I call clean tech and toxic tech then, you know, being the difference we have to all be in this tech world and we have to decide what pathway we're going to take because there are two pathways. I I have gotten this quite often. People say, well, I don't want my kids to live in a bubble, Melanie. I want to expose them to everything I can because, you know, you're just living in a bubble. And I very graciously and with all my kind words, I say, no, excuse me, but you're in the bubble. <laughs> you know, we're not in the bubble. We're out of the bubble. <laughs> we are out in the backyard playing. We're riding bikes. We're doing all these things. So I think that's another myth that I don't know if you get what Absolutely. I'm <laughs> it comes down to it comes down to connecting families. And connecting with family and friends is the key to a happy life. That's right. I also tell my children that our world is beautiful. And it's because of the differences that make it beautiful. However, I do want to give them the tools to live in a, in a world where people see things differently. They choose different paths. And at some point, they will choose their own path. But in, in our world, we believe in connecting 
And that, as I said, connecting with family and friends is the key to a happy life, not behind a screen. That's right. And it's time. It is spelled T-I-M-E. And that's how you connect with your kids. There's nothing magical about it. There's nothing hard about it. There's nothing expensive about it. It's time. That's right. And a, and a connected family is a strong family. Right. And that's what you're, that's ultimately what our, our goal is. And, and to pass our values to our kids and, um, and not let the virtual bubble do that for us. Agreed. Um, We've got people listening today that are clicking on here, trying to figure out what are my options and what am I going to do with my 13-year-old Anne-Marie? I just, I gave her a phone last year. I, how, how, she's already there. In fact, maybe I've already lost her. What do I do? I would sit down with your 13-year-old and I would, and in a moment of anxiety or, or if it has passed that, because if you give your child a phone at 13, there will be moments that will follow of an anxiety, of anxiety. They'll come across something, they'll, a text message, or if you've gone down the social media route, surely there'll be a discussion that will happen from there, yeah. or you'll start to lose them. You'll start to see them uh, going in their room and just not engaging. So what yeah. I would say is open the door, sit down talk, communicate, tell your child you love them, you connect with them. As we've talked about, this has been, that's been really the theme of, of today's um, yeah. podcast and say, let's try, let's try doing a detox. Let's try the gab phone. For me, that worked in our family. That spark came back into my child and it worked for us. Yeah. But, but if the gab phone is not the way that you, that you plan to parent, that's okay. But what I really would like and my hope would be that that connection would take place, that that you're not behind the screens texting, that you're eyeball to eyeball connecting, saying, I'm here. I love you. How can I help you? Is this something we can do together? Well, and a lot of times a 13-year-old doesn't even know they're in the quicksand. You know, they don't know. Oh, they think is this so is true. where they want to live. Like this is, mom, you're nuts. I'm fine. There's nothing wrong with me. Um, and as they get to be even 14 and 15, it even gets harder with girls. And so there are parents that are out there listening today that have 14 and 15, 13 year old girls, and they're getting caught in this dilemma. Really, it's a battle. It's a huge battle. And, you know, the mom and daughter are knocking heads and it tends to be that mom and daughter thing that's get, it can get really rough. You know, with your son, it's a little bit different. It just it is. is. Um, it is. B- boys are more concerned about their gaming. Which, it's true. You it's- know, ironically, he was gaming on his phone. <laughs> right. Of course. Of course. It's not all across the board, but it's typical. And, mm-hmm. and then girls are going to be much more concerned about their social media. And so for this child, what we've done, and I say we've, because we've all made mistakes, you know, but when we give them a smartphone, we're saying to them, this is one method that I agree with. I condone here for you to take this. And guess what? You're going to be finding your identity on this thing because that's her stage of development that she's in. That's her job right now. Her job right now is to find her identity. And so what's so frustrating is that that is what they use to find their identity. They go on all their group text and all their social media and all this stuff. And they're trying to figure out who they are. And I just want to say, um, you know, to moms out there and dads out there, this is the worst place for a child to find their identity is, you know, so on true. this phone. And because girls use 
social media differently even than boys, it will crush it. Their world will come crushing down if you say, Oh, I'm going to take it away. Cause now you don't even know who you are because you're like with gamers, with boys, they are a baseball player or they are a gamer and that becomes their identity. But with girls, their whole identity is wrapped in this thing that they have to check on every day to make sure that they're still worth something. And, um, so you're actually, you know, it's just better not ever to give it to them. But, you know, of course we've made mistakes and we've, and we've given it to them. So we've got to figure out a way to get it away from them and get them that gab phone, get on this challenge, you know, um, we'll help you with the steps on it. Find some friends to do this with you. I think that that's probably some of the best advice is to go find mm-hmm. a couple friends. Cause if girls, if they have a girlfriend that's also getting a gab phone, right. It's going to be much easier. It's true. It's true. And my daughter, she will recognize that she's sitting at a party. The only one, not on her phone. Yeah. Everyone's yeah. texting around and she will say, I don't think they realize, but there's a whole world going on around them and they don't realize it. And there is this movement called Gone Gab, where parent where parents and children have decided to go gab, yeah. meaning they they want to live in that safe world. Try it. Go gab. It will it will make a difference. And mm-hmm. I think that your child will thank you, just like my child thanked me. The other thought that I have, Melanie, is when as a parent, I will admit I have thought about taking my son's Xbox and mm-hmm. throwing it off I don't the Grand sure. Canyon, it. right? I just, I visualized it. I just <laughs> never to be seen again. Yeah. I just hate yeah. it, uh-huh. but he's motivated by it. And there's got to be in, in, if in our family, if he there, if we put parameters around time and mm-hmm. he has his schoolwork done and, you know, things are, things are in place and the friends are over. Okay. It, that we'll talk about it and I'll, we'll allow for the Xbox, the safe games. All right. I've met them in a middle ground. So even, even for the child that, um, that is just doesn't even know where to start, mm-hmm. start by getting off your social media Monday through Friday. And then once you realize how you feel, then take the big step by getting off social media all week. We can do this in bits and bites, mm-hmm. but if you say to your child, no, means no. Some children mm-hmm. may resent that, mm-hmm. but you just need to know your child yeah. and really work with them. And as a parent, make a decision on how you're going to go about it. So the opposite end of that, um, you know, I, I agree that that's definitely one way to do it. And some people find a lot of success in that. The The opposite end of that discussion is some kids just can't, even on the, even if it's just on the weekend, what ends up happening is all week, all they're thinking is, oh, when can I get my phone? When can I get my phone? And it's, it's almost more obsessive, you know, mm-hmm. because mm-hmm. it, it just depends on, on your kids and it depends on what, what other activities they have. Um, it's all like, I've had so many parents tell me, you know what, it's just almost easier to, to just take it away totally than to try to give it to them a little bit at a time, because, then it's constantly, they're constantly reminded of how much they missed it, you know, oh no, you know, and so it's sort of like, it's sort of like you said, when your son went off sugar, that was really interesting. So it's kind of like, okay, you get to day five, you day 10, day 20, you're doing really well. But then if he 
eats a donut, then he's going to remember, oh, I love those donuts so much. Mm -hmm, And mm -hmm. so you have to just decide, you know, and I think people do talk a lot about balance. We need to be balanced. Isn't it enough just to give them that smartphone and just balance that use and use it only, you know, certain times of day or even the gaming certain times a day. But I think more important than even having that balance discussion first is to have the discussion on what are we balancing? We have to decide what we're going to balance. And I think we just always need to focus on balancing that good tech, that clean tech. I don't think that it's good to balance the toxic tech, you know, absolutely, the, the tech that's going to be potentially addictive. That's certainly not what we want to balance. We want to stay as far away from the line, I call it, um, as possible. And, and I think it's a good life lesson for our kids too, to say, you know, the way we do our family over here is kids, we're, we're not going to just stand on, you know, the edge of the cliff. We want to get kind of far back from the edge of the cliff Mm -hmm. (laughs) and, and kind of have that mentality. So if you're a parent out there that's just wanting to go cold Turkey, that is perfectly fine too. Um, some people, it is. you know, totally swear by it. Some people are more like, well, let's take a little bit, um, different approach and that's fine. But I think that, um, like any other addictions, I mean, like gambling, you know, mm-hmm. it's really hard just to gamble a little bit. I mean, you're going to keep that fire going. And, um, so you have to evaluate that. Plus it is a chemical addiction. And I think we all need to remember this, that with phones and games and even texting sometime, uh, surely social media, all these things that are triggering the limbic area of our brains and especially in our kids, there are chemicals that they're being overloaded with that they just can't manage. It's too much. And I remember the day that I figured this out with my oldest son, that this was actually altering his brain chemistry that, you know, I thought, well, no wonder. I mean, right. And what am I doing? It's like giving the wrong food to my kids. <laughs> you know, you don't want to do that. And if you find out that your um, your kids are allergic to peanuts, for example, you're going to have to just take the peanuts out of the house, period. I mean, you know, we're not going to have peanuts, you know, on Monday or something. So Correct. that's just that's just that way to look at it. So let's let's get a final question here in before you you leave. And I think it's the. I don't know. I think I have probably two or three of the biggest questions that parents have. And this is definitely in the top three. If I don't give my kids a smartphone and if I give them a gab phone, Melanie, they're just, they're just not going to have any friends. They're not going to have any friends. In fact, their friends that they think they have right now, they're all going to make fun of them and bully them and make them feel terrible. So what would you say to that? Well, first I would say, do you want peace of mind or do you want your child to have friends? Like pick one. Cause I would other, I would rather have peace of mind. Yes. Yes. And my child will find friends. Right. Period. They just will. Right. Uh, The outside, the, the problem with a smartphone is there's all sorts of outside influences that you just don't even know are going on. And so I guess if you, it just depends on what kind of friends you'd like your child to have. Yeah. Yeah. Really? So that's my answer. No, that's a really good question. And I have found, and you're going to find, I mean, your kids are a little bit younger, obviously than mine, but I have found that 
my kids, as well as all the reports that I get in from families that are screen strong and they're going through the challenge and they're choosing this other pathway, that our kids have way more friends than they can even handle. I mean, I mean, tons of friends are over at our house all the time because I think it's it's just a stress free environment. I think their kids, their friends love to come over here. They know that we're not all heads down in our tech. We're not all trying to keep up with the latest, you know, streak and whatever, all that stuff's going on on in that virtual bubble world that people are living in and they relax. And so as a result, the boys just, they, they just naturally are around people more. Does that make sense? They're, They're naturally in person more. And so when your kids are not glued to their devices, when they are more interested in the real world, they're going to attract more of the same. That is exactly what I teach my children. That, that attraction and how you make someone feel is, is, is the reason that they, they will come back because they, you know, just listen to them actually connect with them, put yeah. down the phone. They'll be, they'll, they will know you're a true friend. And those true friends are, let me tell you the kind of friends you want to stick with, not yes. the friends that are your fake friends, the fake that, friends that yeah. give you a like every well, once in a while. I tell my, um, my children a lot. They hear this from me that, um, uh, that they will be blessed if they find even one true friend their whole life, really. I mean, you know, friendships are hard work and they are very rewarding, but it, it's not for the faint of heart. I mean, if you're going to build a friendship, you're going to spend time in that friendship. You're going to invest in that. People are going to then move and then you're going to be building new friends. And, you know, just finding, you know, a few really good, true friends is such a blessing. And I think it's so much easier to do that, especially during these teenage years when you're not depending on all the other clutter that comes with all the work of trying to maintain friendships. I do think that um, for adults, it's easy to keep up with people, but that's very different than learning how to build friends when you're new at it. True. You, and you it's, know, when you're young. I would like to add, it's also deeply rewarding yes. for a child to learn how to listen to someone else yes. and to be, and to make a good friend. Yeah. It's, it's deeply rewarding and, and, and something, a skill set that they will not learn behind their smartphone. No, I was just going to say that's that communication practice. You can't have enough of it during these years. You cannot. Um, and I, the more and more they're in front of people, the more they're talking to people eye to eye, they're just going to get better and better. Their charisma is going to get better. Their ability to work through conflicts, that's all going to get better. They're going to just be um, friendlier. And what do you think is going to be, you know, needed when they have their own families and when they are getting a job and all that. It's the people skills that are needed. Right. It's not, oh, how many snap streaks did I have? That's going to be meaningless. What's going to be needed are these people skills. And all we're saying today is that it's just much easier to develop those things in the real world than it is being glued to a phone when you're a teenager and when you're a young preteen. It's just much easier. And so we have two pathways. We can choose to do kind of the hard route, like Amory and I both tried to do, right? We tried it and we tried to do all the stuff that we were supposed to do, didn't work out so well. Or we can do this 
route two, choice two, and that is to kind of go counterculture on it and choose a gab phone, choose no phone for a while. <laughs> um, you know, I like the idea of uh, what you mentioned earlier about social media, putting that social media on your phone. Um, we actually years ago got a hempy family Instagram account. Now we really never use it, but we did get it. And um, so if my kids ever wanted to look at something, they could on my phone and and that was that. And then they just kind of out, outgrew it, I think. They outgrew their interest in it, if that makes sense. Because it wasn't something that we did all the time and we didn't think it was that important. But if you want to compromise like that and have a family account on your phone, you know, there's there's nothing wrong with that. But kids should not have this um, in their pocket 24-7. And I think it's important to add, we are hardwired for connection. And so, of yeah. course children will be drawn to different elements that will make them feel connected. And so it, there are kids, lot, you know, teens and families that are very much drawn to social media, but it's because of that dopamine and that connection, yes. but, but nothing replaces that rewarding uh, moment of human connection. And it's truly what will set them apart to be, successful leaders in the future. So let's end on that note, talking about being different. How do you feel about your kids being different? I mean, my kids are really different <laughs> too, because we don't even play video games. We're done with that. Boy, I crashed and burned in that department. So how, what do you tell your kids about being different? Well, I touched a little bit on about this in the middle of the podcast when I said uh, that I teach my children that, um, difference is beautiful and it's okay mm-hmm. to be different. Yeah. And that's, that's, that's okay. And we are, we are all not alike and I want them to be uniquely them. Yeah. And I embrace that and I want them to shine. And, and so if, if they're not on social media all the time, even better, if right. they're not on their screen, great. Right. I've done my job. Yeah. Uh, I just want them to have that inner confidence that being different is okay. And to let their light shine. That's wonderful. And I think being different is part of being a leader too. Absolutely. It's in fact, I would say really hard to be a leader if you're not willing to be different and step out and take a hard road, you know, um, for a a bigger benefit. So Amory, thank you so much. Oh my gosh, the time has just flown by today. I love talking to other parents that are in this journey and that are finding really good solutions. And you certainly have um, given us a lot to think about with the Gab phone. Can you give us just a final word of encouragement for parents that are out there that maybe they're just now realizing they're just at the beginning of this going to be kind of a tough journey? You know, it will be, I'm not going to lie. It's, it's kind of tough to pull it back if, if you um, have already you know, let all the horses out of the barn. <laughs> it's kind of hard. So what are some encouraging words for a parent um, who's, who may be struggling or who may have kids that are struggling? What, what are your thoughts on that? You're not alone. We're mm-hmm. all in this. We're all knee yeah. deep and trying to navigate the waters of how to teach my child about healthy technology. You're doing a good job. Yeah. Keep the discussion open. If you've messed up and you've given them a smartphone with full access, talk to them about it. Uh, if you're ready, if you're, if you're just sick and tired of, of the <laughs> suffocating influences, go gab, 
It's great. It's changed our family. And we even have a discount code for your listeners uh, with for $30 off. And, and just see how it changes your family. Keep fighting the good fight because your child deserves to be protected. Yes. Thank you. That is so wonderful. It's so encouraging. And I love the whole point that you just made about not being alone because it is lonely. It is a very lonely feeling to feel like you're the only ones that are a struggling or b going to do something about it. You know, um, I feel like that that's really encouraging. Thank you so much. And I, and I, with, along with that, I really, um, would encourage parents to go find another family that, um, you want to partner with on this and just some like-minded, get some like-minded people around you, listen to some of the other podcasts that, we have, and um, we'll have that discount code here in our here in the description section of our of our podcast. Amory, thank you so much for your time. This has just been fabulous hearing your story, and we just want to keep up with how your kids are doing <laughs> and how you're gonna how your journey is gonna continue to pan out. We're very thankful for your time today. Thank you for having me. Well, I hope that you all enjoyed listening today. Please remember to subscribe, rate, and share this podcast with your friends and head over to our website to donate and to learn more about our Screen Strong challenge that we talked about today. Also, make sure to join our Screen Strong Families Facebook group, and that's where you're going to find support from other parents just like you. So remember, we've got your back and we are here to help you. Until next time. Stand up for your kids, stand out from the crowd, and stay strong.